All right, let's jump into the Word of God together. I'm loving this. This is so good. I love this. Oh, it just feels intimate in the room today. This is nice. All right, so you're missing it online, but I love this. This is so good. Um, here's what I want to do. I want to dive into Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 30 with us this morning. And I want to read a little bit after, at the beginning of verse 12, and then we're going to really hit a lot of information in verses 18 to 30 predominantly today. So it's a lot of text, but uh, we're going to be able to get through it together. Uh, he says this in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, <laughs> that's crazy, and all the rest, that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That's amazing. We're going to see that in just... Um, a little bit. But I love that he begins with those words because he is in the middle of suffering. He's in the middle of this idea of being chained to a prison guard in Rome and not having any freedom whatsoever. And yet he counts it joy that the gospel is being proclaimed, even in the midst of suffering. Because here's the deal. He realizes what I think we often can forget, and that is this. Suffering is normal. I think so often we, don't, we run from it, we don't want to deal with it, but often we forget that suffering is actually normal. It's actually promised to us by Jesus himself. He says, you will have trouble. We're going to cover that in a little bit. But suffering is, is normal. And so I want to kind of just talk through that idea of suffering and how do we work our way through it in a way that is honoring to who Jesus is. And so I'm going to kind of be all over the place today in the text. We're going to hit some pieces at the end, some pieces at the beginning. You're going to see it's going to be all over the place. But um, I want to begin with this verse in verses 29 to 30. He says this, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. He says, I want you to be not surprised, but this is normal. Suffering is going to be part of this. And he says, I want you to understand this is suffering for the sake that I did have and that I currently have. So let me just kind of give you some background. What he currently had was when the church started in Acts chapter 16 as a church planter. Not many church planters can say, I've got this story, okay? I know a lot of church planters. None of them have Paul's story. None of them had his things of how he started this church. But let me give a couple bullet points from Acts chapter 16 and how this church started. As they were going to this brand new group of core people, core team that they were going to plant this church with, he's he's trying to find out who that is, and he goes to this place of prayer, and he meets Lydia, and he meets these other people that are there, but also along the way, they meet this little girl. We don't know her age, but we do know she was being trafficked for her ability to, to, to predict the future. Okay, And she was demon-possessed, and this demon used this little girl as a fortune teller, and this brought the slave owners a whole lot of money. Okay, so her parents aren't in the picture. It's just these slave owners. And it's messed up, but this little girl, in the midst of all that she was going through, would still follow Paul and Silas everywhere. Even as soon as they come into town, she is right beside them, okay, just all the time. And as she's right beside them, they knew her well because everywhere they went, she would literally scream at the top of her lungs, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Every single time. That's all she said. Everywhere they went. These men are from God and they are bringing salvation. Every five seconds. These men are from God and they bring salvation. These men are from God. And Paul, bless his heart. 
is just mad. He's just ticked off. He's like, would you just be quiet? And he, he used the word in Acts chapter 16 that he, he is annoyed. And as, as he's annoyed, he says, enough! <laughs> like you as a parent, you've ever said those words, right? It's just been that 80th time. And you're like, just stop eating, breathing, living, everything. Just stop, right? Just stop. And he says, stop. And then he casts this demon out of this girl. And, and, and it's a miracle that happens. And as he casts her out, this ticks off the slave owners because now they've just lost all their profits, right? She, she's gone. They, they can't make money off her anymore. And so they go and they grab Paul and Silas. They bring them to the local government who, again, if you know anything about Philippi, they love Rome more than anything else. Rome is the best. We follow Rome, whatever Rome says. And these two, uh, they go to Rome and they say, these two men, Paul and Silas, are doing things against the Roman law. They are making Rome look bad. And they have had enough with that. And so a mob forms in the middle of Philippi, and Paul and Silas are ordered to be beaten with rods, thrown in jail, and then hung by their hands and feet and stocked. So that means that they have been beaten to an inch of their life. They have now been thrown into jail, and they are hanging with hands and feet, both in stocks against this wall in Philippi. And that's how the church in Philippi started. So when Paul says, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have, suffering is not new. It wasn't new to Paul. Jesus told his disciples there would be suffering. John 16, 33 says it this way, I have told you these things so that in me you may have, interesting word here, peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Community Bible Church, can we just remember the fact that he's already conquered the world that we're so scared of? And we're just so afraid to do whatever. I don't know. I I I don't know where God went, right? 2020 has been crazy. No, God's been crazy. Okay, we can throw it on 2020. It's not 2020. God's still reigning and ruling. And he says, I brought peace. And he says, I've told you this so that you have peace because I want you to be courageous. I have conquered the world. And Paul, again, in this letter says that suffering is a norm. As we read earlier in 12 to 14, it says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial garden to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Isn't that crazy cool that whenever suffering comes into our life, it should embolden us and not shrink us back? When they saw what Paul was going through, it emboldened them. And we think, that's great, Joel. That's awesome. But here's the reality. Um, I don't want to suffer. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I get it. I know what Christ promised. I don't want to sign up. I, I don't want my name on that list, right? And I'm with you. I don't want to suffer. And this year has been rough for us all. When it, does, when it, when it, when it compares to being beaten with rods, though, I'm like, I'm okay. I've been dragged out of my house lately and been beaten to a pulp and thrown in jail. I'm okay. Some around the world honestly have. And we in America suffer far more, not physical, we suffer far more in the mental, don't we? Ours is far more a mental game than it is a physical game. But the reality is that we have suffered and we are tired. And the only reason for this fatigue is is because I think we've become very reactionary to everything that is going on in our life. When you can't plan ahead, um, as is seen this week, as you don't know what happens when you plan ahead, when things change, we instantly move into reactionary mode. We just play defense all the time. 
And if you've ever seen a football game that's all defense, it's no fun. At least that's me. I just really boring when the score is 3-0. You're kind of like, wow, yay, that was a great three hours of my life well spent, right? Or even worse, I love soccer. I'm going to watch the crew today. It's going to be great. But when the score is 0-0 at the end of a soccer match, and you're like, yay, good defense, guys, right? When it's just defense all the time, it gets tiring, When it's all reactionary, when it's all about defense, it becomes draining. And I think that's been this year for many of us, is we've just been playing defense the whole time, and we're never on the offense. We're never taking things forward, and we're always just reacting. So add along with this, let me tell you, let me see if this rings true for you as well, in this suffering category. Isn't it true that this year as well has been a year of overthinking? See if this doesn't ring true for you. Overthinking, and it's an actual psychological term, it's something that we are embedded into of overthinking. But let me give you a couple of things of what overthinking looks like, okay? So let me just see if this makes sense at all. You can amen or you can not amen, okay? You can say amen even if it hurts. That's, that's fine. Overthinking looks like this. Constant comparison. Overthinking. Overthinking. You read five or four stories online and then you're kind of like, why aren't I? And why didn't we? And why can't I? And that looks nice. And constant comparison. The other one that overthinking brings is preoccupied with perfection. You ever go to the bed at the end of the night? You overthought something so long and for so often that you hit the bed and in your mind you're like, why didn't I? I could have, if only I didn't say, if only I would have done, ah. And it's always this preoccupied with perfection. Let me just ask this. This is a case in point. At Thanksgiving, when you went to make whatever it is you went to make, did people want to join you in the activity? Or were they kind of like, mom's good, dad's good, I'm going to let them deal with it. Because your perfectionist kind of side said, just leave me alone, I'm going to make it awesome. Okay? And you in here is not making it awesome. Okay? We, we preoccupied with, with this idea of perfection. You overthink yourself into more isolation. You ever been there? You're thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking like, man, nobody wants to hang out with me because if they did want to hang out with me, I'd be talking like this. And nobody wants to hang out with this guy because I keep talking all the time. And I keep bringing up myself. And so I don't, nobody really wants to talk to me. I'm not going to talk to anybody. Today. Maybe I'll try. And you try to reach out to somebody and they don't respond. And you're kind of like, see, I knew it. I knew it. I'm isolated. Everybody hates me. I'm not there. And you just kind of talk yourself and talk yourself and talk yourself into more and more deeper isolation. Isolation. It's happened to me this year. You ruminate, but you never resolve. See if that doesn't make sense. You think and you think and you think, but you never take action. You know all the things you should do, but you never take a step. I'm with you. Ah, oh, man, if I could only, and you dream it out and you map it out, you got your five, six, seven steps, and you're like, this is going to be awesome, but you never take a single step because you're like, ah, I don't know. It's probably not going to work out anyway, and it's not going to be perfect, so... Netflix, right? It's just, it's just the way it works. It's just part of overthinking. See if this doesn't make sense. We keep looking back and keep repeating the words, if only. You can't make decisions because you're in a fog of overthinking. A pastor down in Kentucky said it like this, isn't it amazing that in the realm of overthinking, which we are all part of in this idea of suffering of 2020, Isn't it interesting, he says it like this, that when we look back, we always think if only. Best case scenario, right? 
But when we look forward, we're always thinking, what if? Worst case scenario. Isn't that interesting? We think and we think, and whenever we think of the past or what I should have done, you think of the perfect way that it should have went. And it probably is the perfect way that it should have went. But whenever you think of what it could be in the future, you're always like, well, what if that goes wrong? What if, what if, what if? Add on top of that that you have been surrounded, whether on purpose or not, I'm not going to get into conspiracy theories, but you have been surrounded by news that is the typical what if. Think about how much you've been digesting and what's been called in in, uh, journalism terms, speculative journalism. Does anybody know what that is in the room? Speculative journalism. Back in 2018, there was an article that came out and it really has set us up for 2020 because speculative journalism is this. And see if you can't think of 20 stories that sound just like this. This is what speculative journalism is. When reporters and editors make guesses at what might happen rather than reporting what did happen results in what is typically called speculative journalism. Think of all the news you've heard in 2020. Well, if this happens, we're done. If that happens, we're done. I mean, what if? I mean, what if? I'll just throw one out there. What if he doesn't leave the White House? (gasps) What if there's no vaccine? What if? What if? There's no reporting what has been. There's only what is to come. And they know it's a perfect setup because what it does is in the what if, it clicks into that worst case scenario. And what do we do? Click, 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 click. Yes, tell me more what ifs. Tell me all the things that could go wrong in my life. As if we don't have enough of that already. And we buy into it all the time. It's the what ifs. Challenge you this week. Just just watch any news cycle. It doesn't matter the channel. And I guarantee the news cycle is not going to be reporting what has happened. It's going to be reporting what if this does happen. Speculative journalism back in 2018. What if feeds our need for clickbait, it heightens our fear, it increases our arguments, and turns us all into professional politicians, professional physicians, and uh, professional activists. It does. It's worst case scenario. So our entire lives have been, honestly, in 2020, in this idea of suffering like this, this tennis ball that's just being pulled in 10, 12, 15, 20 different directions. One's pulling the tennis ball this way. One's pulling it this way. One's pulling it this way. One's pulling it this way. And your life is just shaking in the middle like this. And you wonder why you feel so on edge and you wonder why things are crazy. It's because your life looks like this tennis ball that's just kind of like steady in motion, shaking back and forth because you don't know where to go. And this morning, as we talk of suffering, what happens is we shake long enough, we just end up getting stuck. This book of Philippians gives us cures and gives us joy. And I'm going to hopefully explain that as we go along because I want to focus on one word in the midst of this text. And this one key word, Paul uses this word three times in these short 18 verses, and it's the word weather. And not as in weather out there, but as in whether this happens or this happens, okay? I want to look at these three words together for our time remaining, and I want to kind of pull some things out of here as we look at this text together. Whatever comes through those doors in 2020, whether it is normal or whether it's more abnormal, whatever comes next, weather is a key word. It's a bold approach to suffering that says, whether this happens or this happens, I'm going to pray ands and not buts. 
And God, would you do these things? Let's look at verses 15 to 17 together. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. He says, there are some that teach the gospel because they truly love Jesus and they want the gospel out there. Some preach the gospel because they know it's going to cause me more pain in prison, which is very sadistic, but there were them out there. So verse 18, then he says this, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. I have joy. Whether false motives or genuine, I will rejoice because Christ is proclaimed. Yes, I will rejoice. So here's your first whether. Whether it's false motives or genuine motives in the gospel being proclaimed, I will rejoice so that not that the the motives get solved or these genuine motives get improved. The end goal is not the motives. The end goal is that Christ is proclaimed. Isn't that amazing? So here's the thing for us Community Bible Church in the midst of suffering, in the midst of this whole thing of having joy and choosing joy. It's the idea of whether I feel like there are false motives being told to me or not, whether I feel like I want to put the gospel out there or not. The truth of the matter is joy comes when Christ is proclaimed. When Christ is, is put at the pedestal and raised up in the midst of this season, that's the good solution. The, the motives don't matter to Paul. The gospel is still being advanced. Christ is still proclaimed, whether false motives are genuine. I'll rejoice because Jesus' name is out in the community. At Christmas time, what better time than, than now to put Christ's name out into the community, to let the gospel go forward in every way possible. 19, he says this, um, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that this will turn out for my deliverance, he says. As it is, my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body. And here's the second weather, whether by life or by death, Christ will be honored. In our small groups, there was um, a section, I don't know if you remember it or not, um, but there was a section where he talks about going to uh, this friend's house and their friend was dying. And he said, I, I went into the room and I said, I have absolute full confidence that they will be healed. I just know it. And he said, the people in the room were like, how can you have that much confidence? I'm so glad she's going to make it. And he said, let me, let me just recorrect that. I, I promise that she will be healed. Whether it's in this life or the next, she will be healed. And the same is true here where Paul says, I am confident that whether I live or I die, it's not about living or dying. It's that Christ is honored. And he says, by my death, Christ will be honored. By my life, his life will be honored. So whether life or death, Christ is honored. You see, what we do, we get caught up in the life and the death. And we're like, I really choose life. <laughs> I would like to be living longer, please. I don't want the death side. But in reality, I love that Paul says, I would much rather go see Jesus right now. I've done my part. 
Paul is in like, gosh, you're going to see later in this book the things he's done and the things that have happened to him. And he's got to been, been ready to, like years ago to be like, I'm out. Call in the reserve. I'm good. Take me home. I've had enough. Beaten with rods again? I'm fine. Going unconscious for the 50th time from getting beat up again? Please take me home, Jesus. I'm ready. I mean, his body had to be so scarred and mauled from the things he'd gone through that he's like, I want to go home. I'd rather go home. He says, I'd rather be with Jesus. I'd rather him be honored that way. But I love that he says, but it's not my will. Christ is going to be honored either way. He's in charge. For to me, in verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 22, he says it this way, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convicted of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Isn't that amazing? My life, whether it's here, it's for you, and it's for Jesus. Whether it's home and eternity with Jesus, it's for Jesus and for you. Whatever it is, it's not about me, Paul. It's not about what I want. It's that Christ is honored in our life and in our death. And when we think of our own lives in 2020, can we just take a step back and say, God, whatever you want this year to be, I'm in. And some of you I know are probably scared to death to pray that prayer because you've already seen what 2020 has brought. And you're like, no, no, that's a prayer for 2021. That's not 2020 prayer. But what if, what if you said, you know what, God, no matter what comes through those doors, I want to honor you in it, whatever you bring. I'm not in charge of what you bring, but I'll honor you with it. I won't shrink back. I won't cower. I'll honor you with what you bring into my life. So he says, whether the gospel's presented and true motives are false, whether, I read, whether my, I, I'm here, whether life or death, Christ is honored. And then he goes to the last one, and this is in verse 27. Only let your, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Ooh. Let your life be worthy of the gospel. How worthy is the gospel? How worthy is Jesus? Let your life be like that. May your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to you, whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm. Here's the third weather. Whether I come and see you or whether I'm stuck here in chains, I will rejoice because of what? Because you're standing firm. Whether I get encouraged by coming to be with you or whether I have to stay under house arrest, whether I gain freedom or I have to stay in isolation, whether I'm understood or not, I want you to stand firm. And Paul could pray this way because his mindset is on verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ, living Christ, fully alive in Jesus. 
Do our lives reflect fully alive in Jesus or do they just reflect maintaining and just bunkering down and just kind of hunkering in until 2021 comes? Or do we truly live fully alive in Christ? For me to live is Christ and to live in Christ is to live fully alive. To live fully doesn't mean always to prosper in Christ. To live fully alive doesn't mean it's easy. To live fully alive doesn't mean everything works out in Christ. It doesn't mean it keeps me from COVID in Christ. It doesn't mean that my husband or wife will treat me fairly in Christ. It doesn't mean my family will always get along in Christ. It means that I am fully alive no matter what comes in my life because Christ is to be honored and proclaimed through all of it. Suffering is normal, but Christ is is here. He's already come. He's with us in it. He is here, and He will be there in eternity. That's the beautiful thing about our God. He's not held to a location. He is here with us. And because of that, Paul can say with confidence, he knows certain things. He knows. He really knows he knows Jesus will come through from verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit, and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. I know you, Philippi, in verse 25, will progress and have joy as you mature in Jesus. I know it. And I love that he even uses this in 27 to, to mimic the head, heart, hands that we do here all the time. He says, I'm, I'm confident that you will stand firm in one spirit, heart, in one mind, head, and in striving side by side for the gospel hands. I know that you will be the church moving forward because whatever comes through that door, we're going to be okay. Whether it's prosperity or poverty, whatever comes through, it could be, honestly, <laughs> it's 2020. We could, we could be like, talking rainbows came through the door today. And you're like, yep, yep, makes sense. Where'd they sit? First row, second row? I don't know. They just kind of hover around the room. Yeah, that makes sense too, right? Did you know last week or the week before, like a, a meteor almost hit New York? I mean, that just makes perfect sense for 2020. It evaporated before it hit the ground, but there's a light ball, just a big ball of fire going through New York, just hanging out, 2020. I'm like, man, I missed that news. Um, but we are in it, right? We are in it, and this is part of it. Community, here's the thing. We are in a fight. You know that, right? We're in a fight. This isn't like, this isn't like just kind of walking through. I'll make it. I'll persevere. It's fine. We're in a battle right now. And I hope you know that. That you're in a fight and some of you are so busy blocking blows and ducking. And some of, these, some of us are sadly in the fetal position hoping this all goes away. And God's like, no, get up. <laughs> get up and fight. Stop it. Just, just go after because I'm here. You ever watch an MMA fight and the dude's just like fetal position? You're like, oh, that ain't going to end well for that guy, right? He's not throwing anything. He's just buckled in because he's like, this is terrible. And he's just getting the tar kicked out of him. Every blow, he's like, this hurts. This is bad. This hurts. This is bad, right? And he can't get back up. I don't want that for us. I want us to understand that we are in a fight and, it, and God's calling us to get up and fight to get up and trust Jesus during what we're dealing with right now. Ephesians chapter 5, 14 to 17. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Stop cowering in fear and just start battling this stuff. Because we're not done. We're not done until God calls us home. And I just am so excited for what he's going to do in our lives if we continue to say, no matter what comes through those doors, whether life or death, whatever it is, Christ will be honored. And so practically, it may mean stop being a jerk to your spouse because you desire control and it's easier just to cower right now. It could be stop embarrassing yourself by living one way at home and another way at church. Stop embarrassing yourself and stop embarrassing the body of Jesus Christ by trying to fake it. Love you enough to say that. Men in the room, lead for crying out loud. Ladies in the room, be proud of his leading, even if it's slow. Stop cutting his feet out from under him by second-guessing everything he does and let him try and lead forward. Men, it is time for us to lead and lead well and not lead as in knowing everything that we need to do, but leading in a way that says, I trust Jesus no matter what comes and I'm going to lead my family to the honor and glory of Jesus above all else. I'm asking us to rally together and not give up, I guess, out of all of this this morning. Suffering's normal. And I'm asking us to rally and not give up, to fight because we're not done Show your family, show this family here at Community that you can stand up and take a punch. And get it back up, and that's okay. Yeah, I think we're so more, aren't you? I am, maybe just me. I'm so much more motivated by the dude that gets nailed on the field, just done, laid out, right? And we're all like, oh, but the dude who gets up, right, and he's just like, not a thing. Even if he's like smelling pancakes on the way off the field, it don't matter. If he's up and he's like, didn't hit me, didn't get me, he may collapse on the sidelines. That's fine. But the dude gets up and he walks off. You're like, whoa, all right, all right. As a body of believers, we've been hit. Many of us have been hit in many different ways. But could we all just understand that he's calling us to get up, shake it off, because you have a God who's in this. Shake it off and be like, that's it? That's all you got? That's it? I got more. I got more in me. Not me. He has more in me. So, when we lose hope, when we lose belief in Jesus, don't, as Paul worried, become embarrassed. Paul said, I was, can you imagine that? Paul himself said, I'm, in, I'm worried that I'm going to embarrass Jesus. Paul, we're kind of like, I think you're good, bro. <laughs> I think you're okay. If Paul's worried about embarrassing Jesus, holy cow, Joel, you should be worried about embarrassing Jesus. Because we have been called to something greater. Don't lose hope in your belief in Jesus because you're not just embarrassing yourself, you're embarrassing the rest of us. I say that to myself. Do I really believe this? Or do I just post it online? Do I really believe this? Or do I just keep cowering in fear? Because Paul, to the church at Philippi, he knew that they believed it. Let me close with this this morning. This is a journal I kept this week. And this is December 1st. What's the first? Mon- what was the first? Monday? Tuesday. Thank you. So Tuesday, um, 
I wrote, I wrote these words. I'm just going to share this with you, and we'll close here. Band, actually, if you, can, you guys can come on up if you want. Close out in song as we finish this out. This won't take long. I just want to share some things about how, God, how good God is right here. I just said I'm tired. Those are the first words on the top of this page. I am tired. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of, of, of sin getting an upper hand in my life. I'm tired of trying to, to make everybody happy. I'm just putting this out there. I'm tired of feeling inhibited by, by, by the circumstances around my life. I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. And then at the comma I put, but I want more. I want more. I said, Jesus, you would build your church. I'm asking you to build away. I'm asking you to grow my leadership instead of cowering uh, in a decision. And I'm asking you to kill the pride version of me that keeps living in self-doubt. I just want to win according to your terms. And then I wrote on the second page, <clears throat> we are not going to be the freakout church. <laughs> we are not going to be the fake mercy church. We're not going to be the fake belief church. I want it. I want to know it as in really know it. I believe God has a plan and I don't get a say in it. That was Tuesday. Let me flip over to Wednesday. I'm done. <laughs> That's it. That was all I got on Wednesday. But as I was thinking through on Thursday and Friday, I'm like, you're going to be preaching about taking a punch. And I just enabled you on Monday to take the hits and the punches. And on Thursday and Friday, isn't it cool that God in his, in his, in his goodness says, we're still good. I still got you. Get up. You know those moments in God where sometimes he like holds you and you're kind of like, it's okay. And there's moments where God just kind of grabs you and is like, get up. <laughs> I love it. That's what I needed. Last week, I needed the protection. This week, I needed the just get up, man. This ain't that bad. You're okay. Tuesday to Wednesday, right? Isn't that crazy? Many of you are probably like that. But here's the thing I know. I know that I know that I know. Christ will continue to build his church. Christ will continue to give us what we need. Christ will continue to sustain us because he is good. He's asking us to fight. I was asking Rich to close with this psalm because it's just a beautiful way of singing that out, that when we fight, we fight on our knees as we pray to him and ask him to fight our battles for us. So we're going to sing this out together. It's a little new, so if you don't understand it, that's fine. You can just watch the words on the screen and hopefully it's encouragement. But I want to go out with this declaration that we fight, and we fight in prayer, and we're not giving up. We're not done. We're not done. We're not done. There is so much more that God has in store. If you continue to get back up, get on your feet, dust it off, shake it off, no big deal, right? You get killed, you shake it off, <laughs> says Captain America, right? Everybody stand up with us if you would. Rich is going to lead us on the way out. Thanks.